If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi. Today's show, we have a special guest, Katie Roseborough, who is the host of the podcast, The Sugar Mamas Podcast. I've been on her show a few times, and she returned the favor by coming on mine with a question of her own about her T1D kid. Have a listen. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Katie Roseborough, and I'm very excited to be here with you, Joanne. I always love the advice that you give, so... I have three kids. My daughter, my only daughter is my middle child and she is the one living with type 1 diabetes. She's currently 10 years old and she was diagnosed a little over two years ago. So when she was eight years old. Great. So my question is that my daughter is really pretty compliant when it comes to diabetes management. You know, I will tell her to do X amount of carbs or insulin at this time because we try to do a pre-bolus and she'll She'll always do it when she's in my presence. But if I am not right there standing there telling her to do these things, she won't do them or she won't think about them. Like, for instance, she ne- she'll never come to me and say, hey, mom, I'm thinking about eating this. Like how many car you want to help me try to figure out how many carbs are in it or whatnot. Or like when we go to church, she's not with me and she'll have a snack at church. And it's pretty rare that she will bolus for that snack even though we've talked about it and why that's good for her to do that. And let's work together to figure out a a system that works. So I feel like if I'm there and I'm giving instructions, she's more than willing to do it. But sometimes when I'm not, she doesn't take any initiative to do it herself. So I guess my question is, I want to try to get to the, the heart of the matter with it to hopefully encourage her to be a little bit more mindful about bolusing for meals and snacks when she's not with me. Mm-hmm. And is this happening a lot? Like at school, what happens? So we have a pretty good system while she's at school. We've kind of got that down pat. There's certainly times where the unexpected birthday treat will come in and the teachers know that they'll try to warn me if they can, or they'll look it up online and tell her how many carbs are in it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in those situations, there's an adult also there kind of guiding her. And I also, I feel like my daughters are a little bit of a people pleaser. So she wants to please her teachers and her teachers know she needs to be bolusing and things like that. So yeah, not not so much at school. It, mm-hmm. it honestly happens. It happens sometimes at home, like on the weekends when things are more relaxed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's not as much of a schedule or a routine or in the summertime, you know, she'll just walk into the pantry and get a snack and start eating it. It's, you know, you can kind of, you as a parent, you want to be like, did we forget that we have diabetes? We mm-hmm. <laughs> The other day I walked into the kitchen and she... I wouldn't say she was hiding it or sneaking it because she was literally standing in the middle of the kitchen eating a piece of banana bread. And I just kind of casually was like, oh, her brother had made it. I'm like, isn't it delicious? Like he did a good job. I was like, did you give yourself insulin for that? And she was like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so it's tricky because I don't feel like she's really hiding it or trying yep. to sneak food, which I'm grateful for. Yep. But at the same time, I'm like, 
what's the deal, man? Like what, you know, you have to give yourself insulin for this giant piece of banana bread that you're eating. I don't know. Uh, I'm at a loss. Please help me. Yeah. So I have a few thoughts here. What I think I hear is that the system mostly works, that there's some like Swiss cheese holes in the system on weekends at church when she just steps away a little bit when you don't have it as tightly contained, right? But it mostly works. What I'm hearing is some future worry, right? Like, uh-oh, how is if she's not picking this up right now. So I'm hearing two pieces, right? I'm hearing a very real piece of there are moments where she doesn't dose. And I'm also hearing a piece of, uh-oh, how is this ever going to change if I, I wasn't planning to go with her in her back pocket to college and remind her at every meal to dose, right? I want to look first at the first piece, which is the Swiss cheese moments where you're more relaxed or she's at church or whatever it is. And what I hear is that in some real way, she's not actually ready to do this. She's a little too young. She's happy to let the adults hold it for her. And she's kind of not ready to pick it up. And I think mostly honoring that is fine, right? Without, we'll talk about the future piece in a second, but to try to separate the future piece out a little bit so that you're just staying with your 10-year-old sweet girl who has diabetes, which is not something she wanted or asked for. And she does, she's not really ready to pick up the extra job. That doesn't change that sometimes she has to. And so there, what I would be doing is really validating that. So I would be saying to her, yeah, it makes sense that you forget. This is not something you wanted to pick up. My guess is you would rather never think about this and let us hold on to it. I think that makes total sense. And, right, that and, not but. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a great step for your safety and health if we could figure out a way. Like, what's the way we can figure out? And Katie, you're not going to succeed. It's not that you're never going to succeed, but I think it's going to take a while of having that same conversation over and over because I I have a feeling that some of this is just developmental. Like she needs some more time to cook. And then, you know, at some point, my guess is she's going to be like, leave me all alone, mom, I've got it. And she'll do a not great job, but she'll be doing it more. On this end of like these moments that, you know, you're at church or you're at home and you're not watching every single thing, which is good. Just to name to her that, of course, she doesn't want to think about it. And it's also important and and what might help her to think about it, even though she doesn't want to. If and when she does it, you need to like set off fireworks for that. Yes. She needs a lot, a lot, a lot of praise. Like, oh my goodness. And I would make it about her getting older. Mm -hmm. Like, look at you go, you're become, you're, you're just really maturing so beautifully. You're taking on these really hard extra things. Like it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would be talking about it like that and, mm-hmm. and thinking about it like that. Like, I really think that she's just kind of saying she's not ready. So I want to pause there before I get to the future worry piece and just see how that lands. And if you have thoughts about it or anything you want to add that would change the picture. No, I, I like your formula for validating her, you know, why she mm-hmm. might be doing this, mm-hmm. but then also trying to encourage her to, and we still mm-hmm. need to. Mm-hmm manage this because it's part of your life and it and it's mm-hmm. going to be the benefits. I try to I try to focus on the benefits of diabetes management rather than, you know, I, I do not want to do scare tactics like mm-hmm. that just seem effective to me. So, you know, you'll have more energy and your body will be able to grow, you know, properly like it like it should and it won't get headaches or, you know, whatever it is. I try to focus on the the good things, trying to encourage her. But I appreciate the reminder of it's just probably going to be a conversation that we're having 
for a long time, mm-hmm. multiple times. Mm-hmm. For some reason, my mind went back to when I was potty training my kids. That was not an overnight occurrence, oh, right? Right. It takes months. And I think even one of my kids, it seemed like it took a whole year of just reminding them like, okay, well, what do we do? We need to go to the bathroom. This is what we do. And, you know, I, I, I thank you for that reminder of this is not like you're going to have a one-time conversation and light bulbs are going to go off and everything's going to be better and fixed. It's mm-hmm. going to multiple years of handholding and reminding and encouraging. I like that analogy. That's really a great one. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. Right now, your child's type 1 diagnosis feels like the biggest blow ever. You feel worried for their health and watchful all the time of pretty much everything, blood sugar, food, exercise. If your child was diagnosed in the last year and you want to get back to the calm and sturdy parent you were before diagnosis, the place to start is with Sweet Talks After Diagnosis coaching program. Designed just for parents like you, by me, a fellow T1D mom and experienced therapist and diabetes coach, After Diagnosis will help you find a faster path to calm. When you're doing better with diabetes, your child will do better too. To find out more, go to diabetessweettalk.courses. I also think I want to encourage you to back off the like, here are all the good reasons you have to Mm -hmm. be dosing. And mm-hmm. just make it about a strategy. She knows. Mm-hmm. Another piece of language that I actually recently learned that I really like is you and I both know. So you could say, it makes sense that you aren't dosing. Here, you're taking the guesses because you don't want this. Like you'd mm-hmm. ra- much rather me remind you, I get that. And you and I both know that it's important for you to dose. So what could we do to help you remember? She knows everything that you're inserting in there. And I love that you're not using scare tactics. And I love the things you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be too heavy with it because I feel like what she's communicating to you essentially is I'm too little to do this. I don't want it. And mm-hmm. so I would just be looking at it from a behavioral place. Like, what is it that, how can I help you remember? Do we write something on your hand? Do we tie a string around your finger? Do we set an alarm on your phone that goes off with a firework or something that says, just to remind you at some point, I don't know what, you know, that's like if you're at church and you kind of can anticipate that she's going to eat something Mm -hmm. that's not going to work on the weekends at home when she grabs the banana bread, but it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter in the sense that the skill is transferable over time. She's, I really believe she's going to get it and she's going to get it because you are taking good care of her and eventually she's going to internalize that. But it's going to be hard along the way for her to want to pick it up is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes total sense to me. Let me turn to the future worry piece. So the data is pretty clear on this, which is that our kids do not do well as with diabetes management as responsibility is transferred to them. Um, their A1Cs go up and they stay up into their early 20s. And again, I, I never want to say just unclip your seatbelt and you don't have, you know, it's just what it is. Of course not. And we still are going to help them, support them, scaffold it, remind them, you know, help them to internalize their own self-care. It's a normal part of the process because it is too much. It's too much for them to hold on to as they're in high school and doing the 10,000 things they're supposed to do, let's say in high school, to think Mm -hmm. about diabetes also all the time is a lot to track. You know, you and I both know that we as parents forget sometimes, like imagine being 14, 16 and having to remember all the time. Mm -hmm. So this idea that she's going to forget is real. I suspect you're going to see a developmental shift where she's going to be more able to remember and more willing to pick it up, but she's still going to forget. 
or mm-hmm. and she's still going to forget, right? So I suspect her her developmental ability to hold some of this is going to change and she's still going to be quote unquote failing at it some of the time. I hate using that language, but as a parent, I want us to be prepared and gentle with our kids when they forget, right? Because they are going to do that sometimes. Right. How would you navigate this? And this hasn't even happened yet. So mm-hmm. it's a like, it, like you've hit the nail on the head. It's a future worry. Yep. We're really good at making up scenarios in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. Like in the future, you know, I can speaking about myself when I was a teenager. I mean, I had lots of friends. There was weeks in the summer where I would literally, I just felt like I didn't see my parents for weeks at a time because I would be spending the night at a friend's house and then I'd go to the camp the next day. And when I left camp, I would go home with a friend and spend the night with. So I feel like in those situations, like if my daughter were to be in a situation where she's having a sleepover at someone's house and she just does zero things to manage her diabetes and her numbers are just out of control. It's like under normal, you know, under, I I won't say normal, under non-diabetes circumstances, Mm I don't want to say I could care less, but it's like, of course, you're going to a friend's house. You're having a sleepover. Like, of course, you're going to stay up late and eat a bag of potato chips. Like I did that when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. But when you bring type 1 diabetes into the mix, it's like, okay, but that has like actual medical, physical ramifications when you do that. So if that becomes an issue or if this kind of continues on or progresses, how do you... I hate the idea of punishing or giving consequences for something that was diabetes related. Mm -hmm. I mean, whereas under non-diabetes circumstances, I I wouldn't have even given it a second thought. Well, yes, absolutely. And we have to remember, we have a lot of technology that you and I didn't have when we were growing up. You're younger than me, right? There were no cell phones. There was no whatever. So you're not going to just like send her off and she's going to go to the sleepover and then the camp and then the thing without you checking in. Right. So it's going to be a much more gradual release for you with your daughter than it was for you as a child, right? Because Mm -hmm. she needs something different and it's just going to look different. And so you're going to say, of course, you can go to Katie's house for a sleepover. And let's think about when we're going to touch base and what's going to happen and how I'm going to support you from afar so that you're safe while you're there. And then Mm -hmm. over time, you'll see how she does and you'll see where she needs those supports. You're not going to say no. What the quote unquote consequence here is, is your involvement. It's just like they get more sort of autonomy and privacy, basically, as they show us their capacity to do whatever it is that we need them to do. And that's true of all children. Like they have more autonomy with their homework if Mm -hmm. they can sit down and buckle down and do it. If they can't sit down, buckle down and do it, then we are a little bit more involved as parents to help provide structure and support. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's no different with diabetes. Like you're just not going to let her leave in quite the same way. Right. As you are remembering in your imagination that it was for you. But my guess is even for you, like it was gradual. Like you're mm-hmm. thinking of yourself at 16, 17, but at 14, you had a sleepover, you came home and touched the rock. And then you went to the thing where you weren't just gone all the time. Like there was a process of you learning how to be independent enough. Mm-hmm. And for her, a lot of that honestly is going to be about supplies. Like if she's gone for two days straight, that's a yeah. supplies issue. And you're going to be helping her think about that. So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be an amazing learning process if she is that kind of child. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way for a kid to launch themselves out to college and beyond because they are learning the skill while they're still kind of under your roof. So instead of saying something like, okay, well, you can't have any more sleepovers until you can show me X, Y, Z, maybe something more like, 
okay, well, you can spend the night with so-and-so again next time. And I'm going to be a little bit more involved with checking in and Mm -hmm. having a plan and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yes. And what I would say, it's always easier to let go of control rather than regain control. So this is like if your kid has a phone, which our kids with type 1 all do, you want to set the restrictions very high at the beginning because it's only going to fall apart, right? There's kind of only one way this can go. And I would say it's largely the same for things like that. I wouldn't let her go, see how it goes and then say, yeah, next time we're going to have to do a better job. I'm going to be in your stuff more. I would Mm -hmm. be in, I'd be in there from the get go. Yeah. Because you don't want her to feel like, oh, my mom, she's all over me. It's just like an expectation that if she goes to the sleepover, as it is now, if she goes to any sleepovers, I am sure you are talking to the other parent, monitoring her numbers all the time, you know, doing the thing. And so you want to kind of keep some consistency in those behaviors as she transitions into more independence and then gradually release them. So there's an expectation that you're there and that you're supporting her, that you are helping keep her safe and mm-hmm. that she can earn the privilege of you being there less. This was even before diabetes, but I feel like we always, we kind of set the expectation early on that like, you're not, you're not spending the night at somebody's house unless we know these people. Absolutely. You know, so I feel like I'm grateful that we started that early because now I can kind of continue that on until like, I don't, you can, I don't know who so-and-so is. Like I need to meet their parents. I need to talk to them. We need to have a conversation. And I'm sure that gets more challenging as they get older, but yeah, it does. And you might find that you are trusting your child enough that you don't need to deeply know the parents. But with type one, I, I think even, you know, parents of older kids tend to to tap into the other parents because they just want to make sure that there's a safety net around their kid. Mm-hmm. And that safety net, you know, it, it extends to college. Like we keep holding our kids a little differently, our type one kids, because we just want to make sure that that safety net is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. Cool. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. You've got questions. I've got answers. If you want to get some help with the emotional and parenting challenges you're facing with navigating diabetes management for your kid, go to www.diabetesweettalk.com and click on the banner at the top of the page to register for a live recording session. I'm looking forward to helping you with whatever your diabetes challenge is. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. 